all bad things. Tragedy. Tragedies, disasters. That's bad things. Trigger warning for everything possible. What? Hello. I'm David. I'm Rachel. And this is All Bad Things. Another reverse. A reverse bad thing. Two in a row. Yeah. Thank you. You're by welcome. The way. <laughs> it's really helpful. I am um, moving offices and impinging nerves and yes, doing and, uh, all sorts of fun Wearing things. all sorts of uh, weird bandages tonight. Yeah. Well, it's not a bandage. It's a, um, a thermopatch or something. It's Feel it. It's hot. It's warm. Yeah. No, it's very warm. Yeah. It looks like a bandage, though. It looks like a, a maxi pad, to be honest. Oh, okay. But, yeah. <laughs> um, but, anyway. I, I guess we have a different vision of what bandages look like. <laughs> and maxi pads. <clears throat> but, um, yes, thank you. That has been very helpful. We're working ahead a little bit for once. It's, for the first time in a while. It's been a while. We'll get behind again eventually. Oh, yeah. But for for now, we're, we're caught up. We're, we're ahead. Yes, I'm hoping. Two weeks ahead. Hoping, hoping that uh, to do a, a big bad thing, another big bad thing, probably a three-parter at most. It might just be a two-parter, but but probably a three-parter. I think I discovered with Chernobyl 4 is just too much. Like, there's only so lot. much misery to revel in on one. Plus, it's uh, Chernobyl was also very scientific. Mm-hmm. And... Well, one full episode was just explaining nuclear energy. Yeah. <laughs> We can scrap that from now on. When we're dealing with nuclear energy, we'll just say it's really hard. <laughs> if you want, if you want to find out more, look it up yourself. Right. <laughs> consult Stephen Hawking's yeah. work, please. Consult anybody else besides yeah. us. Yeah, exactly. So if that works out, then this is our first December episode. Uh, yes, it is. And we'll maybe have. I think we have five episodes coming out in December. Through possibly three will be this mega disaster, and then. Where it's time for New Year's Eve party soda again. Yes. So we'll have to come up with something good for that. I'm sure there are plenty of baseball riots that are mm-hmm. not so famous that are out, or football riots. I, oh, I've those seen usually a few turn of those. bad. Yeah. The 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 if you mean football soccer, soccer yes. yeah, those usually oh, yeah. turn pretty bad. Yeah. There there's one that involved. <laughs> I actually was watching this game when it happened. That involved uh, throwing flares onto the field. So. Ooh, which could catch on fire pretty easily, <laughs> yeah. I imagine. Or hurt somebody. Yeah. Well, or that kill too, somebody. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, when we talked about the poor ref who was drawn and quartered. Yeah, that's taking things to a different extreme. Yeah. I'm, that's that's not a party sound. That is not. No. <laughs> unless you unless you belong to a Mexican drug cartel, that is not a party sound. No. John and quartering somebody. That's exactly right. No, that that is that is not okay. It's not no, okay. It's not okay. <laughs> Please don't do that. Ah, um. Oh, follow us. Facebook, Twitter, Insta at All Bad Things Pod. You can email us allbadthingspod at gmail Best way to contact us, A, if you don't have social media, and B, if you have a suggestion. Speaking of suggestions... We thought this had been suggested. This one apparently was not suggested by anybody. Yeah, to my knowledge, although that's just based solely on my notes, so if I missed it, I'm sorry. Feel free to shout yourself out. We'll, we'll acknowledge if you if you really did suggest this, because this is a biggie. This is a biggie. And I know what it is, because I saw the, <laughs> the email with the research, but another uh, shutdown episode. <laughs> oh, yeah. Very much so. Well, I mean, what, your work was shut down, so. Oh, well. <laughs> I was thinking in terms of the fire, oh, but, well, but yes. Well, of course. <laughs> <laughs> so what is our topic today? Today, we are going to be talking about... The Iroquois Theater Fire. And this is a doozy. Did you know the details of this one before you did the research? No, I just just heard of it. I don't know. So everything, same here. Everything you'll be telling me is like news to me. So. And hopefully to our audience, which apparently none of you suggested. Oh yeah, apparently. Which is really surprising, but anyway. (laughs) The Iroquois Theater Fire occurred on December 30th, 1903 in Chicago, Illinois. Oh, and would result in the death deaths mm-hmm. of 602 people. Oh my god, I didn't know it was that many. While injuring 250. That's or- a lot of people. 
the ornate five-week-old Iroquois theater, mm. five-week-old, was filled with teachers, mothers, and children oh, enjoying no. their holiday break. They had gathered to see Mr. Bluebeard, an over-the-top musical comedy starring Chicago native Eddie Foy. It featured scenes from around the world with actors masquerading as animals and a suspended ballerina. It was a large-scale production which attracted audience members from all over the city, as well as the surrounding area of Chicago. The eager crowd of more than 1,700 patrons could not have suspected that almost one-third of them would perish that afternoon in, quote, a calamity which bereft hundreds of homes, their loved ones, and made Chicago the most unhappy city on the face of the earth, unquote, as the 1904 book The Great Chicago Theater Disaster would later recount. The tragedy would be a wake-up call to the city and the nation and would lead to many reforms in the way public spaces were made safer across the United States and also the world. It remains the deadliest single building fire in United States history. Wow. Still to this day. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I guess that's good because it means that a lot of um, uh, regulations have been passed since then for protections. We'll that, get into that. Okay. Okay. I did not know this happened in Chicago. For some reason, I was picturing Boston, but maybe I'm getting it mixed up with Coconut Grove. Because that was yeah, Boston, and that right? is it was, and that was one we did a long time yeah, ago. Yeah, we did. It, it was quite. Maybe. I feel like it was one of yours, or was it mine? I think it was yours. Was it mine? Yeah, it was yours. <laughs> How well we're remembering? I, I honestly think it was about a hundred episodes ago. It may have been. It was. Uh, yeah, I feel like it was an early one because this is our hundred and twenty-sixth, I believe. Yes, it is. So um, I can't believe we've had that many. And I cannot remember when the Great Chicago Fire happened, but it was still fresh in. The, oh, I'll get, get into that, that a little bit. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll mention it. You'll I'll mention put it. it. Okay. So, wow, the, so the, still the single largest recorded building fire, or deadliest. sorry, deadliest, yes, mm-hmm. in, in U.S. history. Let's hope it stays that way. Yeah, because that's way too many people to be yeah. dying at once. So, I thought we'd go into what is obviously going to be a very brief history of yeah. the Iroquois Theater. Five weeks. Seeing as how it's only five weeks old when this tragedy wow. occurs. So the Iroquois Theater was located at 24 West Randolph Street between State Street and Dearborn Street in Chicago. The syndicate that bankrolled its construction chose the location specifically to attract women on day trips from out of town who, it was thought, would be more comfortable attending a theater near the safe police patrol loop shopping district. Okay, I I can get that as a woman. I can understand that, especially back then. It's like you'll you'll be you'll feel a little more comfortable if you feel like it's a safe neighborhood or uh, um. And if, if there's there are cops nearby, that and safe. if there's shopping in the neighborhood, you know why not stay in the neighborhood and catch a play? I guess I guess this is the era of plays are the movies of the time. Oh, very much so. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there are movies in 1903, mm. but there are not talkies yet that's right yeah this is the silent film era mm-hmm. where where they literally had like a person hired to play the piano for the music during oh yeah the during film. the during the scenes all the ragtime mm-hmm. music scott joplin is still alive at this point <laughs> yes he is very much so so the theater opened on november 23rd 1903 <gasps> after new, numerous delays yes do you know what date today is November, is it November 23rd? 23rd? Oh, wow, that we're it is. recording this. I didn't even realize so, that. So, yeah, sorry. Didn't mean to interrupt. That's okay. You I worked really pissed for a second. No, no. I work at night, so I don't know what day know, any day is I anymore. <laughs> so, so, yeah, it's uh, 116 years. Yeah. Wow. To the day. Which it would have been still right before, th- it's right before Thanksgiving now. Mm-hmm. It's probably right before Thanksgiving then, too. So the numerous delays, there were numerous delays due to labor unrest, mm-hmm. and according to one writer, the unexplained inability of architect Benjamin Marshall to complete required drawings on time. Okay. Upon Design o- delays. Yeah. Upon, we watched an episode of something about that. Remember the one guy wouldn't give them the details until, like, the day? It's sounding vaguely familiar, but I don't remember. He was redoing a castle or something like that? Anyway. Oh, oh! The guy yes. in, in, who was re- <laughs> he Yes! Yeah, he wouldn't give him any... Schematics. And he kept changing it. Yes. Yeah, he didn't have any. Oh, anyway, this is too vague Sorry. to make any sense. But you're right. That was an absolute disaster. I'm trying to turn my, my mind away from this disaster by thinking of just a financial, like a disaster. construction yeah. disaster, <laughs> or like Nobody, a human disaster, like that guy was. Right. No. <laughs> yes, he was a bit. Nobody got hurt in that. No. He just lost a bunch of money. A bunch of egos got bruised. Yeah. But other than that. <laughs> so upon opening, it was lauded by theater critics. 
Wait, theater critics. <laughs> Architectural I, theater critics. I didn't know there was I didn't know there was such a thing, but I guess at this well, period of time in world history it kind of makes sense. Well, theater critics typically mean people who go to the theater and sure. criticize or review the plays right. and musicals. And they're, and they're, they're like, wow, look at this, this place. This is a great theater, too. So Walter K. Hill wrote in the New York Clipper, which is a mm. predecessor of Variety magazine, Ooh. that the Iroquois was, quote, the most beautiful theater in Chicago, mm. and competent judges state that few theaters in America can rival its architectural perfections, unquote. And this is sort of like, I'm trying to think, turn of the century, sort mm-hmm. of like... Victorian era is still little, yes, sort very of, much so. Oh yeah, sort of coming into play, like the filigree and the the uppity uppiness, uppity uppiness, uppity uppiness. Well, I've I've taken you through uh, the downtown area where I lived in Rochester. It's all yeah. old Victorian homes, yeah. and they're all built around this time period. Uh huh. With filigree, that's the, mm-hmm. the ornateness. Yeah. The Iroquois had a capacity of one thousand six hundred and two patrons with three audience levels. You said seventeen hundred people attended the play and the well, capacity was 16 we'll get into that i'm just putting two and two together there you go <laughs> okay so two levels 1602 people One three thing. three levels three, three levels, levels sorry <clears throat> so there was the main floor known as the orchestra or parquet hmm. which had approximately 700 seats okay on the same level as the foyer and grand stair hall the second level, the dress circle or first balcony, had more than 400 seats. The third level, which was known as the gallery, had about 500 seats. There okay. were four boxes on the first level and two above. Okay. So there were box seats. Yeah. Well, that's pretty typical of most mm-hmm. theaters. And it translates to today. For, yeah. Mm-hmm. For sporting uh, arenas have box seats. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that started way back. Mm-hmm. Um, operas and such and fancy dancy concerts. And such. And, and yeah. fun things. Yeah. There, oh, Demetrius. Demetrius is making a cameo. It's just not in an adorable way. It's it in a, I'm scratching the soundproofing way. I want way. to leave way. There you go. The theater had only one entrance, which was a broad stairway, which led from the foyer to the balcony level, which was also used to reach the stairs to the gallery level. Theater designers claimed that this allowed patrons to, quote, see and be seen, unquote, <laughs> regardless of the price of their seats. However, the common stairway ignored Chicago fire ordinances. Oh, no. That required separate stairways and exits for each balcony. Oh. The design proved disastrous, yeah, as, as we already find know. Out. People exiting the gallery encountered a crowd leaving the balcony level, hmm. and people descending from the upper levels oh. met the orchestra-level patrons in the foyer. So like a big bottleneck. Pretty much. The backstage areas were also unusually large. Hmm. Dressing rooms were on five different levels, and an elevator oh. was available to transport actors up and down to the stage level. A fly gallery, where a scenery was hung, was also uncommonly large. Okay. Okay. So this is kind of weirdly designed. Yeah. And how did they even... I wonder if they had inspections back then for code. We'll get into that. Okay. Wow. That's... And and dressing rooms on five levels. Yeah. And then And then a lift. Mm-hmm. But this no is this is all the, backstage too. Yeah, no lift for the patrons. Nope. Well, this well, was, not that I know of. That yeah. it didn't say. In yeah, the, in the research that I well, did. Well, probably was, not. Nobody was even thinking about accessibility <laughs> until very recently. So, so if it's an area, if the foyer is considered a place where people can see and be seen, then that means yes, everybody at one point or is another going through this interacts one, with each other. A single mode of aggress, which, yep, is, which is a never big good. problem. Which, thankfully, hopefully we don't have any of those anymore. Well, we shouldn't. Shouldn't. Famous last words because of code. Regulations slash protections. Yes. (laughs) Safety protections. Yes. So, since we're in the city of Chicago, which Ah. we have been to one time before. We did the the ship. Oh, that that was Chicago. I was thinking a 10-cent beer night was also in Chicago. Oh, yeah. I can't even remember the name of the ship. um, that, (laughs) That one. That thing. That one. Yep. That one. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway. We have people listening through our back catalog. They'll know which one we're yeah. talking about. So the city of Chicago. I, so I figured we'd do just a little mm-hmm. brief history on Chicago. That tot tot toddling town. Absolutely. My dad's hometown. The city of Chicago is located in northern Illinois mm-hmm. at the southwestern tip of Lake Michigan. Yes, it's right on the lake mm-hmm. and uh, Navy Pier. Fun place to visit. Unlike Cleveland, tourism. it is not known as the mistake by the lake. Anyway. <laughs> Oh, no. Oh, no. I can hear the one-star review now. I can hear it. The history of Chicago 
has played a central role in American economic, cultural, and political history, and since the 1850s, the city has been one of the most dominant Midwest metropolises. Oh, yeah. Metropoli? Metropoli. (laughs) Metropolises. Oh, there you go. The area's recorded history begins with the arrival of French explorers. Okay, that makes sense. Missionaries uh-huh. and fur traders. <laughs> now, I am the descendant of a French mercenary fur trader. Well, it turned Wait, out he was German. Did you say missionary or mercenary? Missionaries and fur traders. I am uh-huh. the descendant of a mercenary fur trader. There's a difference between a missionary and I understand, a mercenary. Okay, good. But fur trader. No, I gotcha. There were a lot. There's a lot of fur trading in history. Especially in the north. That's what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard it come up a lot. So that, yeah, that was a pretty anyway. That was a pretty ambiguous definition we put to fur trading. Anyway, <laughs> so in case anybody was wondering, uh-huh. I am the descendant of a mercenary fur trader. Or if you're listening to my uncle Pete tell the story, it is a missionary fur trader. <laughs> We're just gonna go with mercenary. Who's Michael Pete? My uncle Pete. Oh. <laughs> I'm sorry, I heard Michael Pete. Your <laughs> Uncle Pete, yes. Who's a wonderful person. And when you hear the word puck on the radio, you think of the word... You can guess. But that was Chuck <laughs> Kagan. He he had a difficult voice to... I miss him. Just randomly to mention. Yes, Go absolutely. Canes. Absolutely. <clears throat> so in the late 17th century, um, they also had a great interaction with the local Potawatomi Native Americans. Potawatomi. Potawatomi. There was there were small settlements and a U.S. Army fort, but the soldiers and settlers were all driven off in 1812 during the Battle of Fort Dearborn. So the battle, which occurred during the War of 1812, was was fought between the United States troops Uh and the aforementioned Potawatomi tribe. So again, an absolutely rare and obscure occurrence because, according to certain textbooks floating Mm -hmm. around in the ether, in a deliberate attempt to dumb down children and completely rewrite american history native american tribes simply just left areas they're just like okay that no, were settled we're by ex- oh, explorers God. like you know that doesn't seem to be the case here <clears throat> so this event must be just some kind of outlier or or just just a a, a legend it, it can't possibly no. be true uh, so many feelings about that. So I, I only, I, I think it's Potawatomi. That's sure. what I've heard them referred to before. The well, the word I know the word Potawatomi from we'll like a super old movie. But anyway, it looks like it's yeah. called Too Many Girls, starring Desi Arnaz and Lucille Ball, and that's how they met. I'm a big Lucy fan, just for the record. So the battle lasted all of 15 minutes, really, and resulted in a complete victory for the Potawatomi tribe. Oh, nice. After the battle, the fort was burned down, and the area would not be resettled until 1816. I did not know this about Chicago. The modern city of Chicago was incorporated in 1837 by northern businessmen and grew rapidly from real estate speculation and the realization that it had a commanding position in the emergent inland transportation network based on lake traffic, railroads, and controlling access from the Great Lakes into the Mississippi River Basin. Very true. Oh yeah, that makes so much it's a sense. Huge trading. I never hub. thought of that, but mm-hmm. that makes sense. I knew it was on the the lake, and that was a big deal. But I didn't think about the Mississippi too. Plus, things coming in from the Atlantic Ocean can go all the way to Chicago. Yes, that's right through the St. Lawrence through, through the, the St. Lawrence Seaway through yep. the Great Lakes. Mm-hmm. So, despite a fire in 1871 mm. that destroyed the Central Business oh, okay. District. The city grew exponentially, becoming the nation's rail center and the dominant Midwestern center for manufacturing, commerce, finance, higher education, mm-hmm. religion, broadcasting, sports, jazz. Oh, geez, everything. And high culture. Huh. Which is, I would say all of that is still the case. Oh, very much so. Like, yeah. it's still a big sports place. What mm-hmm. else did you say? Everything. Broadcasting, education. music. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, education, absolutely. Yes. Yaz. Otherwise known as jazz. (laughs) Yes. Well, yeah. Yeah, Chicago's known for, I'm trying to think, like blues maybe a little bit. Yeah, sure. But anyway, music, yeah, it's a big music town too, yeah. So Chicago is the... I've I've still never been. Yeah, we'll get you there. We'll get you there soon. Chicago is the most populous city in the state of Illinois, obviously. Makes sense. And the third most populous city in the United States with an estimated population of 2,705,000 
994 residents as of 2018. And that's just the city. That's just the city proper and a greater metro population of 9.5 million. Jeez. It is also obviously the most populous city in the Midwest of yes. the United States. Yes. It, it is. I, I can tell you as someone who has driven through Chicago. Yeah, it's pretty. And into the burbs. It, it's And the sprawl is pretty big, it's too, pretty, from what I understand. Pretty, 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 pretty big. big. Yeah, my dad was born in Oak Park, which is a suburb of um, Chicago. Chi-town? Chicago. Chi-town? Chi-town, yeah. Or, uh, oh, what was the movie? Oh, never mind. Never mind. That move movie. on. There was, that movie called, named Move On. They called it, like, Chi-Scanistan, except that's not it. Oh, I'm butchering it. Keep going. Move on. I shall. Move on. We don't want to offend anybody from Chicago now either. No. Well, no. It, it, I, <laughs> I like Chicago very much. The Chicago Diner is an all-vegan diner in Chicago that is amazing. Love I'm, it. I'm sure it is. Well, I'll take you there one day. Maybe. You won't be able to tell the difference. We'll see. <laughs> Maybe not. If I get a chicken something, you're probably right. Yeah, they do chicken pretty well. Mock chicken. Mock. <laughs> Micken. Anyway. So we've had the brief history of the theater, because the history of the theater <coughs> is very weeks. brief. Yeah. And a very brief history of Chicago, well, because but, you but, could go about the history of Chicago oh, yeah. all day. That was a good overview, though. I didn't know that about, like, some of the the history. I mean, sadly, like, you could basically tell the history of any of America by saying, well, th- first there were indigenous people, and then we killed then them. Then we killed them. <laughs> because they were on water. Yeah. We like water. We can transport things and, and grow things. And we're Americans, and that's what we do. <laughs> yes. We like to conquer. So, unfortunately, those two things now bring us to mm. the fire. We were just reveling in it because it's fun, as opposed, well, not the indigenous people being killed. That's not fun. Well, depending but, on who you ask. Yeah, well, fair enough, especially these days. But, um, yeah, this 600 plus people, this is not going to go well. So... Again, as I mentioned before, on Wednesday, December 30th, 1903, the Iroquois Theater presented a matinee performance of the popular Drury Lane musical, Mr. Bluebeard. Drury Lane? Yep. Drury Lane. Drury Lane. Drury Lane. Drury Lane is hard to say. Drury. It is. Mr. Bluebeard. Which had been playing at the Iroquois Theater since opening night. Oh, opening night of the theater. Mm-hmm. So it was a long run. Yeah. Sort of production. Okay. The play, which was a burlesque of the traditional Bluebeard folktale, featured hmm. Dan McAvoy as Bluebeard. And oh, again, Dan McAvoy. I don't know who that is. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And again, Chicago native Eddie Foy as Sister Anne. <laughs> okay. A role, a role that let him showcase his physical comedy skills. Okay. And his cross-dressing. Yes. Uh, I feel like I have heard of Eddie Foy, but I could be making that. Up. I, I know nobody through the, it's from this of, era. It's kind of funny, except to hear, for like Charlie Chaplin, which I think well, he's like, still after uh, this. Errol Flynn, yeah, and kinda, stuff like that. I th- I might be even predating him there. Apparently, Errol Flynn was also like one of the most human beings that yes, ever existed. From what I understand, yeah, like an absolute <laughs> yeah. just trash can of a human being, like as as far as his personality goes. But. Um, it's interesting to hear burlesque and children and women matinee. But you know what? <clears throat> this is like um, vaudeville days or oh, getting yeah. into vaudeville days. And plus, people are still very... They're only either still immigrants themselves or a generation away True. from being immigrants. So True. they have Especially a whole, in Chicago. Oh, yeah. So they have a yeah. whole different... It's not it's not the conservative culture that we have across the United States today. Not you even know close. What? It's, fair enough. It's hard to sort of... Uh, like judge culture from years ago i mean we're coming out of the victorian era so you think they would be a little buttoned up but yeah no for the most part eh, i mean drugs are legal in 1903 well, i mean yaz music is yaz um, flute yes imagine if they'd had metal in 1903 <laughs> people would have lost their fucking mind <laughs> i'm gonna go back metal. in a time machine i'm going to learn all the instruments and play metal for somebody That's, no it's all good nobody's gonna understand it it's gonna be like it michael j fox jamming right. out in uh, Back to the Future. No, I'll make it try to sound operatic because people have been to that before in 1903 and they'll just be like, oh. You could just play Bohemian Rhapsody for them that would and work. just be like mind blown. That would work. I'd play it. Well, sadly, I would not play it in this theory because it's a death trap. <laughs> well. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> Spoiler alert. So attendance since opening night had been disappointing due to people having been driven away by driven away by poor weather. 
Oh. Labor unrest. It's Chicago. Right? <laughs> yeah. And other winter. factors. They opened yeah, in the winter. Why did they not only imagine open in how, the summer? Yeah. Or the spring, at least. It's turning cold. And, and Chicago is bitter cold because of the lake. What makes it mm-hmm. like a big... Because of all the wind coming yeah, off. Yeah, Same exact, reason Buffalo. The and, windy city. Mm-hmm. For a reason. So the December 30th performance drew a much larger sellout audience. More than sellout. Yes. Tickets were sold for every seat in the house, mm-hmm. plus hundreds oh. more for the standing room areas at the back of the theater. Many of the estimated 2,100 to 2,200 patrons... Oh, wow. That's way more. Than... ...attending the matinee uh-huh. were children as well. Uh-huh. The standing room areas were so crowded that some patrons instead just sat in the aisles, blocking the oh, exits. Oh, no. But, well, that... <clears throat> probably before people thought of or knew better than, like, no, you don't block the eye. Oh, yeah, this yeah. is... Yeah, crowd control is a completely different yeah. animal at this point. And this is... Um, I'm trying to think of when the Victoria Theater fire was, because it's setting up very similar... Oh. We'll get into that. Okay. Despite being billed as absolutely fireproof... Are you kidding? Just like the Titanic was billed as unsinkable. Unsinkable. So it's it's meaningless. It's just yes. something. Uh, Actually, it's uh, not meaningless. It's it's almost uh, uh, what is the word I'm thinking ironic? of? No, um, karmic. Oh yeah, like tempting fate. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, that's the word. Yeah, that's the word. <laughs> that's what people are saying. People are saying it was absolutely fireproof. <laughs> So, so had that moniker in advertisements and playbills, mm. regardless of the numerous deficiencies in fire in fire readiness that were apparent from day one. To be fair, I would be a little suspicious of like a playbill or an advertisement for a theater. It was like, oh, here's this awesome show. By the way, we're fireproof. <laughs> Especially in 1903, because the way people spoke with the transatlantic accent yeah. was like, look at our fireproof theater. <laughs> good one children can never burn alive in here oh god yeah that, oh, i shouldn't god. have said that last part no, that was... anyway that's how they would have said oh, it oh no oh no so, that, that burning <laughs> children is not funny it is not it is not at all it's just about to get so horrible i'm trying to get some that's why I, that's why i had to go to the transatlantic accent for i know a bit. i know the, the, the last part just slipped anywho <laughs> so an editor of fireproof magazine <laughs> Sorry. Which I am shocked there that there was a... one of these in 1903. There was a, I'm sorry, there was a magazine called Fireproof, Fireproof. in 1903. So the editor <laughs> toured the building during construction oh, no. and noted the, quote, absence of an intake or stage draft. We'll get into that. Okay. The exposed reinforcement of the arch in the foyer and the presence of wood trim on everything and the inadequate provision oh. of exits, unquote. That's that's a lot of things. So basically, it's tinder. There's wood. Basically, what he's saying, it's One a fucking death trap. Death trap, yeah. Mm-hmm. And he knows because he's from Fireproof Magazine. Yes, and who else would know mm-hmm. back then? That's well, and <laughs> I know Fireproof, Fireproof Magazine. So they're calling themselves Fireproof while the guy from Fireproof Magazine is like, you're about ready to go up any minute. So they're just making shit up at this point. <clears throat> Kinda. I mean, well, he was specific though. He was like, "You, you no, have no, this not, problem, not this that problem." Guy. No. Oh, the advertisements. Oh, calling hell yeah. It. yeah, yeah. No, yeah. <laughs> they, they, they probably, didn't care. They probably quoted him on the playbill with like lots of ellipses, like this place could dot 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 never dot 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 catch on fire. Yeah, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like paste together his words to mean something. I don't even know if there was truth in advertising laws back then. There frankly. may have been back then, maybe, but also probably not. The, I think the, libel was around then. The truth but. in advertising laws mostly came around when radio was first invented, but that's a whole other story. There was some newspapers. There stuff, were, I think, but yeah. So a Chicago Fire Department captain who made an unofficial tour of the theater days before the official opening noted that there were no sprinklers, alarms, telephones, or water (laughs) connections. You know, things that no building needs. Just ask the residents of Grenfell Tower whether those things are important or not. Well, and the only thing they were missing was sprinklers of those specific things you mentioned, to my knowledge. Um, and well, and water connections, if they didn't have... Well, no. Anyway. Had, but anyway, that was that was enough, let alone let's just add everything else to there. So there's just nothing no. to protect anybody nope. ever. 
A, a very again a rare occurrence at the turn of the well, 20th yeah. century and, pretty and much this was every building interestingly you mentioned labor disputes a couple of times mm-hmm. right or labor un- unrest mm-hmm. yeah um which this is the era of like workers starting to develop starting to rise up yeah mm-hmm. uh, uprising and workers the beginning of the workers rights era yeah sort of because that was really common closer to like the teens and 20s Right. Well, I mean, it was common throughout the whole century. century Fair enough, yeah. But as far as making... That was like the start of it. As far as making progress, as our Canadian friends would say, it starts happening around now. Progress is right on schedule. Yes. Yes, it is. So the captain pointed out that the deficiencies to the theater's... um, uh, Anyway, I wrote that same thing twice. (laughs) That's okay. The captain pointed out the deficiencies uh, to the theater's fire warden but was told that nothing could be done as the fire warden would simply be dismissed if he brought the matter up with the syndicate of owners. So basically business was running this, not actual people who, who's... Like, the guy was like, yeah, whatever. If I tell if somebody I this, been... I'll get fired. When the captain oh. reported the matter to his commanding officer, the fire captain, mm-hmm. he was again told that nothing could be done as the theater already had a fire warden. The on-site firefighting oh, no. equipment consisted of six kill fire it was a brand okay. of fire extinguisher now uh, we're not talking I'm about sorry. a fire extinguisher that were that I mean, modern a modern not even mm-hmm. close so not even close to what we have today very primitive one so yeah well that makes sense because we don't have the they probably didn't have those um because they're they're foam now right for the most, most part. of them yeah. yeah most of them are not water that yeah. reminds me i need to check I bought a I bought a fire extinguisher when we first moved in. That was almost six years ago. That shit's got to be it's probably done. Oh man, I'm sorry, Lee. <laughs> well, I don't feel I don't know why I feel the need to specifically apologize to Lee. Probably because he's a former firefighter and be like, yeah, get because he tries shit to together. tell us, check him once a year. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He's very good yes. with the smoke alarm. Mm-hmm. Every, he suggests much more frequently, but every um, t- time change, like yes. if you, sorry. Thank you, Lee. Now, Thank you, Lee. Yes. Now on to our primitive <laughs> kill fire fire extinguishers. Oh. So kill fire was a form of dry chemical fire extinguisher. Oh, okay. So it was a it wasn't just water or something. It was dry chemical. It was mainly sold for dousing chimney fires in residential houses. So it's not a massive building. Get, get what this thing is. Okay. Oh no. It consisted of a tin tube filled with about three pounds of white powder, mostly sodium bicarbonate. Wait, that's the, baking powder, or a baking soda. <laughs> the user was instructed to forcibly hurl the contents of the tube at the base <laughs> of the flames. I'm sorry, so like powder. Yep. Just just sprinkle, and to be clear, <coughs> sodium bicarbonate <clears throat> is baking soda. I knew it's I'd heard those terms soda. before, but okay, so that's what it is. All right. Yeah. So as the show began its second act at 3.15 in the afternoon. Oh, no. A spark from a stage light ignited nearby oh, drapery. Oh, no. Because the, st- the fire started high above the stage, uh-huh. the kill fire, when thrown at it, fell uselessly to the ground. Oh, shit. And did nothing to halt its spread across the fl- flammable decorative so backdrop. So someone actually tried. Yep. I mean, good on them for trying. Foy, again, the, uh, one yeah, of the, the actors. Actor. Sister Anne. Dressed in drag for his next scene, right. attempted to calm the increasingly agitated audience while also making yeah. sure that his young son was in the care of a stagehand. Mm. He later wrote, quote, It struck me as I looked, over the, looked out over the crowd mm. during the first act that I had never seen so many women and children in the audience. Mm. Even the gallery was full of mothers and children. Unquote. He ordered the orchestra to continue playing as stagehands made futile attempts to lower a supposedly flame-retardant curtain, but it snagged on the riser. Ooh. A chemist who later testified or who later tested part of the curtain stated that it was mainly wood pulp mixed with <gasps> asbestos. Asbestos, oh great. And would have been, quote, no value in a fire. Oh, no. Unquote. So even their fire curtain is something that can easily catch on fire. And by the way, it's toxic because it's asbestos. That too. Partially. Well, it's so it's wood pulp and asbestos. And asbestos. It's highly flammable and toxic. It's amazing that people even stayed alive 
well, for like more than 10 days back at this time. Yeah. Well, a large portion of why like the average life expectancy went up so high is mostly because you made it past well, childhood. I was going to say, because a, a, a lot of children did die. That's right. Like didn't make it to like five That's years old right. at this time. A lot of that was like childbirth type incidents, but not sure. all. No, yeah, not all. There was a lot more. A lot of it was simple environment. Mm-hmm. Like they don't have... Yeah, we don't have the needs to make sure this thing stays alive. Now, I understand Eddie Foy's, like, logic, which is... He's trying to keep people calm. a stampede. Right. Yeah. But it was soon apparent that the fire could not be contained. Oh, man. Audience members bolted from their seats Mm. toward what few exit doors they could find. Yeah. But most of the exit doors were obscured by curtains. Oh, no. They were further stymied by metal accordion gates. You know what I'm talking yeah. about? The lock gates? Like the old-fashioned elevators yep. that had those in front. Yeah. Yep. Um, so those metal accordion gates were firmly locked to keep those in the upper levels from sneaking down to pricer seats during intermission. Oh, no. So it was a way to keep people yeah. separated. Yeah. The terrified patrons... Oof. An estimated 21 to 2200 yeah. with many more standing ticket holders clogging the aisles were funneling through the very few choke points in the theater. And there's a lot and of really, kids involved too. And really, as we learned earlier, there's really only one mode one of egress. Multi- multi- one uh, main mm-hmm. yeah, way to get out of the building. Yeah. Quickly, the scene had changed from, quote, mimicry to tragedy, as oh. one survivor stated. Watching from the stage, Foy wrote in his memoirs Mm. that he saw in the upper levels a, quote, mad animal-like stampede. Their screams, groans, and snarls, the scuffle of thousands of feet and bodies grinding against bodies, merging into a crescendo half-wail, half-roar, unquote. Well, just to be clear, we are animals. I mean, I know we don't like to think of ourselves as animals, but if you... Divide the world into animals, vegetables, and minerals. We are animals. And there, when it comes to survival, there's a lot of instincts that kick in. Again, and we've talked about that. Like, when it comes to stampedes and stuff, like, y- you don't blame... You can't blame anyone involved in it, because it's just sheer... And, and once you're caught in one... Mm-hmm. You're caught in one. You're children. A, mm-hmm. So many Children and, and mothers. Yeah. Mothers I mean, who, that's really the, the entire audience. Nobody's taught a lot of safety back then, but especially women were probably dismissed as like, oh, no, you don't need to. Don't worry yeah, you don't a little need to, head about yeah, that. You don't, need, yeah. you don't need to know how to open a door. We'll do it for you. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. So this is what's going on in the audience. Mm. Okay. As cast members realize the yeah. peril that they were in, because remember, there's about 300 cast members. Oh, there's wow. That's 300, 300 people crew. involved yeah, in production. the production. Yes. Yeah. So as they realized the peril that they were in, they opened a rear stage door to escape. Okay. The ballerina that I mentioned before, they had a ballerina on a rigging above the theater. Oh, no. She would not make it out of the theater alive because she was trapped by the rigging. Oh, no. Yeah, which was was good safety for her performance, but not for... Oh, she was basically tied into the theater. Oh, that's horrific. The backdraft... Oh, no. I don't write it in here, but she fell from the... Mm. I'm guessing the line was probably burned or something like that. Oh, no. She either died from the fall or died from burns. Nobody knows for sure. No, which is... So, yeah, it's pretty fucking terrible. It's all awful. Oh, poor thing. So, these cast members open a rear stage door. Remember, they have this huge backstage area. Yeah, that's right. Five levels. Yes. Elevator. Elevator. um, Yeah. The backdraft from the open door... Oh, no, which we've talked about before. We've talked about backdrafts. ...caused a sudden ball of flame to explode through the theater, instantly killing many in the virtually inescapable balconies. So this thing just went... Oh, no. It just tore through the theater. Yep. And and got mostly the people in the balcony. It was powerful enough to blow at least one exit door open, aiding those frantically trying to find an exit. So horrible. It like it it killed a bunch of people and then helped a bunch of people. Basically like a wash. Like it Oh man. I'm hoping it helped more people than it killed, but You know, it's interesting. I feel like that's an example of and we've kinda talked about this before, you know, where people interpret as miraculous certain things, but there's always a flip side. Like can you imagine someone being like, oh, and then God opened this this exit door, and it's like, yeah, after he killed a whole bunch of Yeah, people. right, yeah. That's not how it works. After he killed a bunch of mothers and their children. Oh, God. Mm. <laughs> Literally, I guess. 
So a few were also fortunate enough to find an upper level fire escape. We're 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 still okay. talking about the the crew here. Okay, so a, a, a literal like external mm-hmm. scaffolding type of like old fashioned yep. New York City fire. Yeah, you still like see them in certain buildings. Of, yeah. Only to realize that it lacked an exterior ladder down to the ground. That's so fucking cruel. Well, as you'll, I don't necessarily put it in here, but as uh-huh. most fires that we've done from around this time, most buildings just had to have the look of safety. It didn't oh. have to necessarily be functional. functional. You know, oh, well, there's a there's an escape up here, but there's no ladder, so yeah. how the fuck are we supposed to, like, eh, whatever, you'll figure something out. Looks good. Yeah. So workmen in a building across the alley. Oh, wow cantilevered planks from one building to the to the um the, the theater to the theater to create a makeshift bridge oh my god saving a handful of patrons after the first two unfortunately attempted to go across slipped and fell to their depths yeah that's the oh that's the horrible treacherous part but oh, they also saved mm. a bunch of people's lives i mean they did what they, they had to do which yeah. is like look this is your option nope. we can help you this way yeah yeah. And you're oh, taking wow. it. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what is your option? Yeah. You don't have No, I'm going to stay option. in the building. No, you you have to try. Oh. So, hundreds of bodies. Now oh. we're back to the overall audience. Yeah. Hundreds of bodies unsuccessful in finding an egress began piling up inside the theater. Ugh. Most had died before firefighters arrived on scene. Yeah. Most. Most. Mm. The 1904 book, The Great Chicago Fire, which again I mentioned before, yeah. described what awaited them as uh, the, the people. The people, no, the people oh. involved in the fire. Oh. Uh, so the book described what awaited them as worse than that uh, quote pictured in the mind of Dante in yeah. his vision of the Inferno. The Inferno. I'm unquote. actually reading that now. Yes, you are. Dante's Inferno. It's a very like. Interesting poetic dis- depiction of the you know the levels of hell or whatever, and yeah, wow. So oh, I can't imagine. Yeah. I don't want to imagine. No, no. So as I'd mentioned before, the Iroquois Theater had no fire alarm bo- fire alarm oh, box God. or telephone. Oh. The Chicago Fire Department's Engine 13 was alerted to the fire by a stagehand who had been ordered to oh. run from the burning theater to the nearest firehouse. So he, this guy just booked just it. Just booked it, yeah. Just find somebody. On the way to the scene oh. at approximately 3.33 p.m., so now this thing is going on for about 18 minutes oh, at this point. Oh, man. A member of Engine 13 activated an alarm box to call additional units. Because they had, we've talked about mm-hmm. that before, they had them on like cor- yep. street corners Street corners, stuff, yeah. yep. But pretty much mostly in cities. Like yeah, they weren't really... right. It's not like it's in a rural no. area or something like that, yeah. Initial efforts focused on the people trapped on the fire escapes outside. The alley to well, the that north... That kind of makes sense, because there they are. You can see them. Yeah. The alley to the north of the theater, known as Couch Place, was icy, narrow, and full of smoke. Oh, it's just, it's the dead of winter. Aerial ladders could not be used in the alley, and black nets concealed by the smoke proved to be useless. Oh, wow. The Chicago Police Department became involved when an, when an officer patrolling the theater district saw people emerge from the building in a panic. Yeah. Some with clothing and themselves on fire. Oh, man. So, okay. Yeah, something's hinky. We, we, there's something going on here. Yeah. He called in from a police box on Randolph Street and police, summoned by whistles, soon converged oh, wow. on the scene to control traffic and aid with the evacuate, evacuation. Wow. So the cops are... The cops everybody's, have also been... Everybody's... In, well, at this time, everybody is the cops and the firemen. There yeah, is no, yeah, there is no to, EMS yeah. in 1903. Uh-huh. So... Yeah. So by the time cops and firemen made their way into the building, corpses were piled ten high around the doors and windows. Yeah. That, you know, that's a common thing in stampedes and in, like, fires where people are trying to run away is the idea of piles, and it's so... Weird. It's so grotesque, too. It is really grotesque, but you also just wonder, how does that... I'm, I'm getting too deep in trying it to happens, picture it. It happens in a panic. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I get it. So yeah. this kind of describes and, and what you were... And it's not like people standing, obviously. No, 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 no. <laughs> I'm sorry, I even, like, I'm sure that triggered some but this, images. But this describes, like, what you were just talking about. Mm-hmm. So many patrons had simply clamored over piles of bodies only to yeah. succumb themselves there, to yeah, the flames, smoke, sense. and gases. Okay, You're okay. just trying to find a way out. That's your only option at that point. And like, if you got to yeah. dig through a pile of 
dead people to get to it, then so be it. That's what survival is, so yeah. It is estimated that 575 people were killed on the day of the fire, and 27 more died of injuries over the following weeks. The Great Chicago Fire, by comparison, claimed Mm -hmm. the lives of approximately 300 people. Oh my god! And it is the less. and it is the much more famous event of the yeah, two. Yeah, no kidding. Well, Although I think it's because the, the Chicago fire literally took out like a whole part of the downtown it, too. It damaged. It sounds like it damaged way more like buildings and oh, structures yeah. and infrastructure oh, yeah. than it did people. Yeah. Whereas this, it was just one building, but it was, but it was a, it's uh, still so a record people. number of people. That's awful, and the, a record that will hopefully never be broken. Let's literally. hope so. The diner next door was transformed into both a morgue and a hospital mm. as doctors tried to find living victims in a oh. sea of charred remains. Oh, God. Panicked family and friends soon began to, began yeah. descending on the restaurant to see if loved ones had somehow escaped. Oh. Of the 300 or so actors, dancers, and stagehands, only five of them died. The aerialist yeah. that I'd mentioned before, the mm-hmm. ballerina, her name was Nellie Reed, an actor in a bit part, an usher, and two female attendants. Oh, so not so we're talking even theater crew. Yes, not just the show. Not just the show. Yeah, well, because they had a whole separate like mm-hmm. area that kind of makes sense. As word of the staggering death toll spread, the city would be overcome by a state of collective mourning. Yeah, many of the victims were buried in Montrose, Forest Home, Calvary, Saint Boniface, Oakwoods, Rose Hill, and Graceland cemeteries. Mm. Wow, that's super depressing. And I know we're not even done yet. We are not. <laughs> is it at least going to get into the like... The fire is over. Okay, the fire is over. Yeah. Thankfully. Are we... Is there, is, did anything good come of this? Did any well, changes come of this? Let's get into the aftermath okay. of this, shall we? And yes, yeah, several changes that we still know of today Okay. were a result of this fire. Very good. So the Iroquois, Iroquois Theater fire which was one of a series of major headlining-making fires in the early 1900s, not just in the United States, but all over the world this Mm. was kind of happening. Well, because, yeah, super early. Yeah. Mm -hmm. More and more buildings being built without the... With hardly any regulation at all. Yes, the safety precautions for fires. With no thought to safety. People were like, just build it. Yeah. So this was a catalyst for systemic change aimed at preventing another fire of similar magnitude. To, to lose hundreds 602 of people. 602 people. Mostly mostly kids and women. Mm-hmm. That's, that's In horrific. one fire. That's, yeah. that's insane. The fire forced the city of Chicago to take a hard look at how they mm-hmm. regulated large public spaces in the yeah. booming city. Because you got to remember... It's a city on the, the rise. Yes. This is still very early in the city's history. Yeah. The city is, is less than 100 years old at this point. Yeah. So, quotes... <coughs> excuse me. How much of that was because they had flouted the building codes, and how much of it was that the building codes didn't go far enough, unquote, says John Russick of the Chicago Historical Society. Mm -hmm. Quote, there was a fair amount of, our buildings don't protect us and we need to do more to them. Although it wouldn't have been enough, even the building codes had been followed. A lot of people would have died regardless in the Iroquois theater fire. So So he's saying that of the regulations that there were... That it kind of wouldn't have yeah. mattered a whole lot. It would have mattered a little, but it still would have had a high death toll. What what would have happened is it would have just revealed how, um, ha- still revealed how inadequate the regulations were without the whole negligence component. Right. Of yeah, it, absolutely. Know? So when within days of this incident, the city shuttered all theaters in its wow. jurisdiction until they could be inspected and repaired to the standard. And national headlines forced other cities ac- across the country to subject, th- subject their own theaters to similar scrutiny. That's a really major response, really. In New York City on New Year's Eve, the very next day, wow. for example, some, not all, theaters eliminated standing room attendance altogether. Wow. So okay. just to cut down on the amount of people yeah. that would. The very least we can do is just make sure we're not overcrowded. Right. Yeah. Within weeks, Chicago, Chicago City Council passed a new building ordinance by an overwhelming majority that compelled mm. structural change, including new standards for aisles and exits, yep. the use of fireproofing solution on scenery, connected fire oh. alarms, limits on occupancy, uh-huh. the elimination yep. of standing tickets. Well, yeah, if you see um, like restaurants, uh, m- most places you can see the occupancy limit. Mm-hmm. 
You oh, yeah, you should some... be able to see it right when you walk in the door. Yeah, it's part. supposed to be pretty prominent. Yeah. Um, changes to sprinkler requirements mm-hmm. and rules for rooftop flues. Like in a fireplace. Like I mentioned earlier, the one the the main uh, inspector for fireproof magazine yeah. or whatever it was called. <laughs> uh-huh. One of the things that he noted out was there was no uh, draft on the stage, a stage draft, oh. something. That's what a flue would do is catch that Rele- and release it. Uh, externally outside mm-hmm. of the building. Just like in the chimney that we have in our yeah. house. So this place actually did have the flues that this person okay. was talking about it needed, they... but they were nailed shut. Nailed shut. What is the purpose? It's like I know, a door it's just, that it's is just... nailed shut. Like, why even bother? Yeah. It's a wall. Then. It's like a person's not going to climb down no. that thing to sneak into the theater. Why would you nail it? Because you're... oh, Or a cat or a bird. Whatever you think the logic is of nailing the That's thing. That's so ridiculous. It's That's stupid. So, so, yeah. So, regarding, you know, when I when I was saying, you know, we'll get to that. Yeah. Upon the initial fire, it, it's just... It made it completely useless, just nailing yeah, it shut. Like yeah. it's like what? And again, what's even the point? Again, it goes back to the oh, it's it's there. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be functional as long as it's there. Yeah, yeah. Among the enduring changes still in use today mm-hmm. were the stipulations pertaining to the lighting of exits. Okay. Aisles and corridors. Yes, because you see you see strip lights on. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, aisles, absolutely. So you can see where you're going. Exactly. Or that you you have a path. Yes, yes. Including the requirement that, get this, mm-hmm. a red light be kept burning over the exits during performances, something we literally still exit see lights. today. Exit signs. And they're they're always in red. The, yes. The exit is in red. Yeah. Yeah, here in the U.S., yeah, they're all uh, very prominent high visibility. Yes. Mm-hmm. The Iroquois Theater fire also prompted widespread implementation of the panic bar. The crash bar. First invented in the United Kingdom following the Victoria Hall disaster in 1886. Absolutely. Which was a topic we did a year and a half ago. (laughs) It feels like. So if you want to if you want to dive into our catalog, we we do cover the Victoria Hall. Another fire that killed a lot of kids. No, that was a crush. That was not a fire. Oh, you're right. That was not. <laughs> but that was the reason. I knew that. <laughs> but that was the reason for the <laughs> right. for the panic bar, which if right. anybody that works anywhere at any office, mm-hmm. building, whatever, you have all a, have a crash bar. Yep, a crash bar. To, and ha- we've all used it a thousand yep. times. A very, very not necessarily in emergencies, but just to yeah exit. Panic exit devices are now required by building codes for mm-hmm. high occupancy spaces. Mm-hmm. And were mass manufactured in the U.S. following the fire. Mm-hmm. A third result of the fire, which is also practiced to this day, was the requirement that an imbe- uh, that an asbestos fire curtain uh. or sheet metal screen be raised before each performance and lowered afterward to separate the audience from the stage. Huh, okay. So you still see that today. It's literally if there is okay. a fire there to is, separate. Uh huh. You know, so the crew okay. can go out their way, the audience can go out their and way. And protect. So and also, if the fire's on the stage, it's protecting the audience and mm-hmm. vice versa. Yep. Now, the whole asbestos thing. <laughs> that's, I, I'm guessing they've made. Oh, yes. I'm hoping. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's a whole other. You know what? That's a topic I don't have on our list. Asbestos would be a really interesting one. Very broad one, too. Huge, to- hugely broad topic. I don't know where you would narrow the focus in on that one. I guess just the broad strokes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So now we are on to criminal liability, which oh, there's okay. very little, yeah, unfortunately. Not, not entirely untypical. So while a direct link to corruption was never proven in court, mm. the indifference of city officials to yeah. known violations contributed to the fact that the theater received only a cursory safety inspection oh. before opening to the public weeks earlier. Well, and they even said, like, yeah, don't bother reporting this because you're just going to get fired and nobody's... You, yeah. Or you're going to get me fired. Yeah. Or, like, they have their own fire warden. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Although construction had run behind schedule, the theater owners were rushed to open it before the lucrative holiday season. Yeah, okay. So that's why it wasn't, like, a spring project. They're like, let's get the money while we can... Well, money. Yeah, of course it's It's, it's money. literally uh, in between. Money. We're opening just before Thanksgiving. It's about to be the Thanksgiving to Christmas. I mean, I guess even back then, this was yeah. holiday season when Absolutely. people were spending money. And it's a it's an urban area, yes. so like there's a lot of shopping and. Plus, the theater itself. I don't think I, I don't think I, I don't include this in here, but 
reading the brief history on Chicago and the theater itself, it wasn't just people in Chicago going to this. It was people all over Illinois sure, and people from other states that took the train into Chicago yeah. for the afternoon to shop. Do and fun. Yeah. Take, oh, the kids are out of school. Let's, yep. Yeah, let's if they're even in school, it's 1903. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> I wonder if that was a law back then. I, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I'm not don't sure know. if it was because I'm yeah. pretty sure kids could still work well, in a mine in 1903. Yeah, plus um, there were farms, especially if you're mm-hmm. talking Illinois, so a lot of kids were like staying home and helping them. Most, farm. like at this point, still like ninety percent of the United States is still agricultural. Yeah, mm-hmm. there's still very little. And we're but we're the cities that the cities that do exist are these huge boom Met- areas. Yeah, so metropolises. Metropolises. So the problems that had plagued the theater throughout the theaters throughout the city were yeah. not unknown. Concerned about pervasive safety violations, Mayor Carter Harrison ordered a review of all theaters just month, months earlier. Huh. But lack of enthusiasm from city officials meant the investigations had petered out. Oh, man. Meaning essentially... A lack of enthusiasm. We're hey, not into this. We're not into, like, making sure people are safe and shit. Why would we be? That's somebody else's job. So after numerous investigations, reams of testimony, and three years of legal wrangling, no yeah. one was ever held criminally oh, liable. Oh, no. Numerous lawsuits from victims' families died out, becoming either too expensive to maintain against multiple defendants, including the theater owners and city. Mm. Theater co-owner Will J. Davis was tried but not convicted. In the end, a batch of payouts to families from the construction company that had built the theater was the only concrete liability. So, And, okay. Nothing... Nothing really comes of this. Uh, well, not not but, not know, true. Regulation wise, yeah. Exit signs come out of this. Crash, crash bars, bars come come from this, and the other thing was the fire curtain. The yes. Curtains. Yep. Yeah. So so as far as future benefit, that came out of that. Yes. But as for the actual victims, the, families, the event itself, the, yeah, nothing. Then, yeah. Nobody was held accountable. Mm. That's very unjust, obviously. mm Hmm. But also, again, common for this time. Common for so many times, unfortunately. Yeah, still common for today, actually, yeah. yeah, now that you think of it. Um, so the memorial and legacy oh. of this incident. So a bronze bas-relief memorial mm-hmm. by sculptor Laredo, Laredo Taft, with no identifying markings, was placed inside the LaSalle Street entrance to City Hall. Hmm. Chicago Tribune described the marker December 31st, 1911 as, quote, as, quote, depicting the motherhood of a world protecting the children of the universe, mm. the body of a child born on a litter by Herculean male, Herculean male figures with a bereaved mother bending over it. Unquote. Wow, that's very epic. The memorial was rededicated on November 5th, 2010. Oh. And a descriptive plaque was donated by the Union League Club of Chicago. Yeah, like you need to say what it's there for. <laughs> Like, oh, here's a pretty sculpture. Oh, well, that's a pretty sculpture. I How think for the longest time, people probably just knew. Yeah, maybe that's the case. You know, because if you because if you live in the city, you yeah. probably know that this happened. Yeah. Um, people tend to, especially if you've grown up in a big city like this, you tend to also know the history of the city because people talk about it. Yeah, and it's also, but and it also a lot of national events happen in big yes, cities like this yes, too. That's true. So. Chicago held an annual memorial service at City Hall until the last survivors died. Oh, wow. Five years after the fire, Andrew Kircher, founder of the Montrose Cemetery, which I mentioned earlier where some Mm -hmm. of the bodies were were buried, erected a memorial on the grounds to memorialize the tragedy. Okay. After the fire and the subsequent investigation, the exterior of the Iroquois Theater was still largely intact. Hmm. The The building later reopened as the Colonial Theater, which was demolished in 1925 to wait to make way for the Oriental Theater. Okay. The Oriental Theater opened its doors in 1926 as a deluxe movie palace and vaudeville venue. Okay. Today, the venue is known as James N. James M. Nederlander Theater, which pre- it's still a theater. It's, it's still been there. a theater ever yep. since. Wow. Which presents live Broadway theater and is operated by Broadway in Chicago. Okay. It still has the same address as the Iroquois wow. Theater. At 24 West Randolph Street. Wow. And that's... <laughs> sadly. I did not have to look. Okay. I was just doing right. the dramatic page flipping. Gotcha. Was the Iroquois Theater Fire. Wow. Which is 
A bummer. Yeah, six hundred and two people. That's so in one fire. Many. Just imagine how many people, people. six hundred and two people is. Yeah, yeah. Anytime we get into triple digits, it starts feeling different. Yeah, you know, that's awful. That's truly awful. In the flat out panic Ugh. that you must feel. And their kids. Yep. Oh, and and can you imagine being a mother trying to like keep your kids in your view and trying it it was it must have been horrifying i didn't include it plus um i mean obviously this is 1903 there is electricity in 1903 but it's still kind of in its infancy um because there were no lighting of the corridors or the aisles or anything Mm -hmm. like that every and the electricity did go out during the fire oh okay everything was dark so the only light you had was the fire itself oh my god that's so imagine that on top of it that's terrifying. Yeah. Oh, that's that's the worst when people die in fear. I mean, it's just mm-hmm. the worst. And suffer. Suffering and fear. It's just, oh. Oh. And it, and it, and it always, it, of course, it Hello, makes me... my baby. Hello, my honey. <laughs> Hello, Sorry. my ragtime gal. What were you going to say? You're, it always it makes... makes me, it makes me it, especially when I do a fire. Yeah. It always makes me think of people like, well, he cut all these regulations. It's like as though it's a good thing. It's like, do you think that benefits you? Like, who do you think that benefits? Yeah. And people don't think of a lit up exit sign as a regulation. They don't think of that as a regulation. It is. They just think of that as, <laughs> oh, that's common sense. No. Yes, it is well, common yes, sense. Yes, it is. But but it was for a long time common sense that people with money didn't want to implement no. simply because it cost money. That's exactly right. You know, lighting exactly and right. things cost money. Yeah. Even regulations. Yeah. Now, again, if you want to make the case that certain regulations are outdated and we need to revisit certain things, fine. We can have that conversation. Yeah. But just to flat out be like, we need but to cut regulations. That's, that, blame it's that. It's like, okay. Motherfucker Reagan. It, it's the idea that, oh, the government doesn't have any business telling me what to do. And regulations equal bad. Fuck Reagan. Yeah, and pretty All much. that shit. That is such bullshit. Also, listen to the Dollops episodes on Reagan. That was those were really good. Yeah, when he said um, big government is not the solution, it is the problem. That is true if you are Exxon, if you are Citigroup. That's not government. If you are That's Wells big Fargo, business is a problem. But I'm saying big government oh, oh, is a problem, problem for those that. people. Yeah. You're right. Big government's not really a problem if you're a single mother. In fact, it's <laughs> yeah. it's something that you occasionally have to rely on. I think so. I um evangelized bernie to my parents today <laughs> i think my dad was my dad was really start, i think coming around be, i think he might be my mom started looking at a magazine and ignoring me um but but my dad was uh he he even asked like because i was explaining you know bernie's consistency and um medicare like, i was like talking about how all these things are human rights like we all have a right to and my dad was like yeah to food and to ha- shelter i'm like yes yeah, exactly like, like, like jesus said <laughs> yeah so, um, <laughs> that's, how, he, that's how I would wrangle in your parents. Well, no, my dad's not unreasonable. <laughs> I, my I mom's understand. Not your mom's not either. Not. But, and then my dad said, has Bernie ever said how he would pay for this? And so we talked about that too. Yeah. Yes. Why? Well, yes, he does. Just go to anyway. his website. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, for something, um, a little lightness before we go, um, a little lightness in the dark, so to speak. Yes. You, uh, recently, Viewed The Lion King for the oh, first time, I did. sir. Yes, I did. You were um, you were aged out of Disney movies by the time. Pretty it came much. Out. Um, I was seventeen when it came out, and I am the youngest of my siblings, right. so, so I don't have, have sisters. Or I don't brothers, have a younger yeah. brother, younger sister. I'm assuming. Don't assume it makes an ass out of you and me. <laughs> I am guessing most of the people my age that saw that movie had, had younger siblings, like yeah, younger cut, co- like I I had younger cousins, but I wasn't really around them, and not by much. No, like you're of the younger of your cousins. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. So and again, at that age is really when I started getting into you were watching cinema, Pulp, pulp Fiction. <laughs> I was. I was watching a lot of Scorsese. Like it was like the first time I ever saw The Godfather when mm-hmm. I was seventeen. Mm-hmm. So I was starting to become like a cinephile. 
I guess you could call it that back like, in the day. You like I did. movies. You like movies. Yeah. Um, so what did you think of The Lion King, Hakuna Matata? I think I thought it was really good. I can definitely see why it was... Pr- I mean, it was pretty much an instant classic. Yeah. I mean, it really was. I mean, I remember... You didn't even know about Mufasa. I did not. I knew nothing Aww. about the movie. Remember I said when they introduced Simba, when he holds him up on the cliff? Yeah. In my mind, I figured that that, that was, was like the end. the end of the movie. Well, it kind of was because the circle <laughs> yes. of life, it was Simba's son at the end. But um, but no, it literally happens like right from the jump. I, I was like, okay. I, when, um, when Mufasa died, you were like, is he dead? <laughs> I was like, yes. Do you not know the story of the Lion King? Anyway, you know what we're watching tonight? What? Aladdin. Because mm, I know the songs. No, I, I think it's a Star Wars night tonight. Oh, well, Lee Baba had them 40 We're definitely not watching it now. had a thousand tits. <laughs> well, Master, you're in luck. Cause, oh, is Disney going to sue us? They don't give a shit. They don't know. They, they don't, might. Who they knows? They don't pay attention to a three and a half star podcast. Yes, that's right. <laughs> because those one star fuckers dragged our rating down. Oh, well, I don't give a shit. <laughs> And with that, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, for the three of you who are still listening. Who, who, yeah. You're the And we know ones. who you are. Yes, thank you, Abby. <laughs> yes. <laughs> thank you, Teddy. I'm guessing Lee is still hanging in yeah, there. Yeah, Queen Quincy. And, and if we did not name you, it's, we're, we don't mean to offend. That's we, right. We thank you, too, for yes. the other five of you, for the eight <laughs> of you total that are still hanging in. Yes. So that, my friends, was the horrid story, absolute horrible story, of the Iroquois theater fire and this has been another episode of all bad things i'm rachel i'm david and we'll see you next week